Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today I'm going to answer a question I get asked all the time, why do I have to know this science stuff anyway? Now, this is something you may hear a lot when teaching science. Why do I have to know this stuff? When am I ever going to use it? It's not like I need to know the atomic weight of xenon in real life. If you've ever asked or been asked a similar question, this episode is for you. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the audiobook edition of Rogue Code by Mark Rusanovich. In this intense thriller, cybersecurity expert Jeff Aiken discovers that the New York Stock Exchange has been hacked, and someone on the inside knows about it. More on Rogue Code and why you should listen in just a moment. Now I'm going to let you in on the big secret that your science teacher probably doesn't want me to tell you. Unless you're a scientist, you probably don't need to know the atomic weight of xenon or which direction on the periodic table is more electronegative, or the most common properties of alkaline earth metals, ditto for the equation that predicts the amount of velocity a ball has when rolled down an inclined plane, the formula for the ideal gas law, or the names of the various amino acids that make up proteins. So, if that's the case, why bother learning this science stuff at all? Well, while there might not be any real need for you to memorize science trivia, like the atomic weight of xenon, which you can easily look up whenever you need it, there is a huge need for everyone to be scientifically literate. So what's the difference? Let's take a look at a few examples. Over the years, many politicians, concerned citizens, and media outlets have fallen victim to a hoax involving the dangers of dihydrogen monoxide. The hoax usually starts with someone discovering that their water supply, consumer goods, or even the very air they breathe has been contaminated with dangerously high levels of dihydrogen monoxide. Well, that sounds pretty serious, right? Isn't that the stuff that comes out of broken kerosene heaters and kills you if you breathe in too much of it? No, wait, that's carbon monoxide. Well, maybe it's that stuff that burns your skin on contact. No, that's hydrochloric acid. Well, whatever it is, it sounds dangerous. Dangerous enough for politicians in many countries over the years to suggest that it be either banned or severely regulated. Now just imagine how silly these politicians feel when someone inevitably points out that dihydrogen monoxide is just another term for plain old water. While we can't really expect politicians to have every chemical name memorized, we should expect them to be scientifically literate enough to know how chemical names are constructed. Had they been paying a little more attention in chemistry class, they would know that whenever a chemical name starts with di, it means two. So the first part of dihydrogen monoxide means two hydrogens. Likewise, the prefix mono means one, so monoxide means one oxygen. So dihydrogen monoxide means two hydrogens and one oxygen, or H2O. Speaking of water, another common hoax is something called water memory. The basic idea suggests that if you put a substance in water, then completely remove the substance, the water somehow retains a memory of what was placed inside of it allowing it to convey various novel biochemical effects such as mysterious healing powers. 
Now, if you have a little scientific literacy under your belt, you might wonder how anyone could believe in such a thing. Water is, after all, just a bunch of hydrogen and oxygen atoms floating around in liquid form, not like it's got a brain. Well, the reason this idea exists is that in 1988, a scientist published a paper showing that a certain effect occurred. Unfortunately, this experiment did not use the rigorous double-blind methods I discussed a couple of weeks ago. And when subsequent double-blind experiments were done, they showed conclusively that the water had no memory of what was placed inside of it. Unfortunately, when people who aren't scientifically literate look at this, they don't seem to notice the subsequent follow-up studies or even the techniques used in the first study. They simply read the headline, Water Has Memory, and head off to the homeopathic remedy shop. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big believer in many herbal and alternative therapies, many of which have sound scientific studies backing their claims. However, healing based on water memory has repeatedly been shown to have no scientific basis. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by the audiobook edition of Rogue Code by Mark Rusanovich. When Jeff Aiken is called in to investigate a possible breach of the New York Stock Exchange, he finds that the system has been hacked, and it seems traders may have allowed it to happen. Instead of praising him for his discovery, the NYSE turns on Aiken, accusing him of grand larceny. Now Jeff must find and expose the criminals behind the theft to protect the U.S. economy and prove his own innocence. The search takes Aiken to the back alleys of Rio de Janeiro, where he takes on one of the world's most ruthless cartels. Go to macmillanaudio.com slash audio and you can hear a sample today. So now you know a little more about why it's important to be scientifically literate. To sum up, it isn't really that critical to know things like the atomic weight of your favorite element. But it is important to understand how science works, how scientific research works, how the scientific method works, and have a grasp of basic scientific principles. Otherwise, one day you might find yourself signing a petition in support of banning dihydrogen monoxide. If you like today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash QDTEinstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Till next time, I'm your host, Lee Phelan, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.